0: Welcome everybody to The Psychologists Are In. Today, we're actually going to take you all the way back to the beginning of The Psychologists Are In. It's the holidays and we're traveling and we were thinking just schedule wise and everything else about what would be a fun, if we were going to do a rerun of an episode, what would be the most fun. And what could be better than our very first interview with our leader, Mr. Steve Franks, who gives us a whole backstory on how psych came to be. And anyway, we just thought that would be a really fun way to sort of go back and and uh, share with all of you kind of how psych began and also how the psychologists are in began. So please enjoy, and this is going to be fun because we're also going to see <laughs> see if we have improved our skills at all as hosts. Anyway, I hope everyone's having a wonderful holiday season. And please enjoy this very sweet, very fun episode if you haven't heard it. But even if you had, it's sort of fun to go back and just listen to how it all began. Welcome, everybody, to the very first episode of The Psychologists Are In. I am Maggie Lawson.
1: And I'm Timothy Almudson
0: and we're so excited about this podcast i was juliet o'hara on the show for eight seasons
1: i was and am and always will be head detective carlton lassiter except now i'm chief carlton lassiter
0: chief carlton lassiter that's right and we are thrilled to go back and relive this wild wonderful beautiful crazy funny emotional adventure that we all got to have together on each episode of our podcast we will go through an episode of psych Sort of. We're also going to tell some funny stories ish. and memories-ish. Right? <laughs> we're going to ish to tell, tell, talk about the episodes, but we'll give some fun facts and all that. And we're going to chat with all of our best friends and our teammates and family members. members. Exactly. For our very first episode, we are so thrilled uh, to have the one and only creator and showrunner of the show, Steve Franks. No way. How did we get him? I have no idea. How, how did we get so lucky? I don't know. So we're going to sit back and listen to how psych became psych.
1: If you know who's really lucky, our darling listeners out there, they're truly the winners here. They're,
0: they're the most lucky. <laughs> oh, and just to clarify, we use the word psychos a lot. Uh, we are referring to our loving, wonderful, loyal psych fans. They have been calling themselves this for a very long time. We call them this now as well. Uh, and it's basically like a family name. You know, so hopefully after listening to this podcast, if you weren't calling yourself a psycho already, uh, you are now. Honestly, we're a family, but like there is this extended family now of of these of the psychos and the psych fans. And we're all kind of one because we are not us without them.
1: 100%.
0: So this is for you guys, and uh, Tim and I are having a grand old time reliving everything too. So uh, it's for us too. (laughs) It's for everybody.
1: Mostly for us.
0: It's it's mostly for us. It's mostly for us. Used to hang out. Yeah, and uh, drink martinis. Okay, bye, Tim. Bye, Maggie. (laughs) Hi, guys. So a little backstory about the psychologists are in for this very first interview with Steve. Tim was going to be a surprise. Well, he is a surprise. So that is why you don't hear from him for a little while. Uh, But Steve and I ended up talking for a pretty long time, and a lot of fun stuff happened. And so we are actually going to break this episode up into two. So there's going to be a special mini episode for the rest of my interview with Steve Franks, because there's just so much pineapple goodness in there, we have to share it with you. And going forward, it'll be all Amundsen all the time. Anyway, please enjoy our very first episode of The Psychologists Are In. Whenever I talk about psych, I always say it's like lightning struck. There were just so many pieces that came together that had to come together to make this really, really special thing. But the thing is, lightning didn't strike. There was a genius behind this show from the very, very beginning. And I am so excited to talk to him today. You guys, we have Steve Franks here, who is the creator of Psych, the one behind everything. And I am just going to pick his brain on every topic and all things Psych. Are you ready, Steve?
2: I am so happy and excited <laughs> to be here. And you don't have to call me a genius at any point because that's that's overstatement.
0: No, it's not.
2: But I appreciate it in in, in the introduction.
0: It's just like, this, this whole thing has just been so special from the very, very beginning. And uh, we just, you know, we've just finished Psych 3, uh, our movie, and uh, I've just been reflecting on it so much, just how all these things have come together. And we're going to go through every single episode on this podcast, starting with the pilot. So, Steve. Yes, Maggie. Let's start from the very beginning.
2: But but here's the here's the thing. You aren't there at the very beginning, so it's less <laughs> interesting. So why don't We're, we skip that part?
0: No, no. Well, okay, we can skip certain parts, but uh, I do I want to hear how you came up with this idea, where it began, and then the whole process you had. But we'll we'll go along. So start at the beginning. How did you come up with Psych?
2: Well, the germ of the idea came years before, um, years before I ever met Kelly Kolchak, who is our our great executive producer and uh and the the original first person who who was there who said oh my gosh this is a great idea uh but uh i i wrote a movie called big daddy that got made it was the first script that i sold and that relates to so i sold i sold the script and it ended up getting made uh you know it was uh um it was it was exciting big daddy and then yeah big daddy yeah, yeah, yeah. to Columbia was which was huge well, it wasn't huge. It was like it, literally the, the, the former president of the studio, Sid Gannis. They, had, they, he liked the script. He bought it, and they bought it, and it was the the lowest, like the lowest of lowest priorities. And
0: uh, <laughs> that's amazing.
2: Years later, Kelly Kolchak went to work for Throughline, which is also uh, Chris Henzi's company, and she's like, I, you know, I think you, uh, what do you have? And I said, well, I've always wanted to do a one hour. And I pitched a handful of half hours. And then at the end, the last one on the list was, well, I had this thing and it, it's called fake psychic detective. And Kelly was like, oh my God, oh my God, that's a show. And she even said it like that. Oh my God. Cause uh, that's how she talks. Oh my God. Yes, exactly. All oh, the time. Oh, <laughs> Kelly. I did. That was that was not completely it was accurate. Perfect. But, yes, <laughs> but she she really liked it, and and Chris, of course, and I had had gone in and, and produced a handful of shows that didn't make the air. But I was just excited that oh, it's going to be a one hour show. Yeah, and it would be the first time I ever done anything with cops, um, oh. which was cool for me because I grew up in a family of cops. So my dad and all of his brothers worked in law enforcement in one capacity or another, and I'd never even written a police officer into a show wow so, so it was uh, it was an idea of you know that uh, people kept telling me oh you should do something with police and I don't I don't want to do like a procedural thing I, I would do something completely different and so the idea of the like hey fake psychic that's that's pretty fun
0: so Kelly signs off she's like yes this sounds fantastic and she's a through line Chris is a through line then how does that where does that go for you
2: Yeah, so it it went to, you know, you create a pitch, and you create a pitch off uh, off the idea. And at the time, strangely enough, it was you know in the early 2000 not the early 2000 2004 probably Mm -hmm. and it was just it it was the it was the early days of the depressing murder um mutilated body um procedural right and i'm like i don't want to do any of that and i you know i thought well this will be the antidote you know because before it switches back to the the shows i loved when i was growing up because i loved moonlighting and i (sighs) love P.I. and i love i love light fun one hours where the good guys get bad guys and then you get to see the fun of it is to see their lives and magnum lives on this great um estate in right. in and hawaii and and david addison is this uh, unbelievable guy who just sits around the office makes everybody laugh and you know he's a good detective but he's just wants to be funny and fun the whole time so oh, those I those are the this. things i was gravitating towards right so i you know i put together I, I put together a pitch and you know it it stemmed out of i go well, what's my take on what's my take personally on on the cop show and for me it was it was that my dad wanted nothing more than for me to be a cop when i was growing up like nothing more like you know wow. and, and so he you know he's like it's a good job and you have uh, insurance and benefits and all that stuff and my dad you know was was always driven by this idea of making the world a better place
0: your dad um, is so sweet your dad is the sweet your parents they they visited our set so many times they were just like a part of it they're so wonderful
2: I know they were so bummed not to come up for this one with all the all the restrictions and 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 all that. And my dad kept calling every week and saying, "Oh, they changed the uh, they changed the, any of the border stuff." I go, "Nope, no, Dad." Aww.
0: it was weird not having them there. It was weird, yeah. or at least not seeing them.
2: So that's why we have to. That's the number one reason we have to make another one,
0: uh, absolutely uh, so my parents can come. At least, uh, how? <laughs> I mean, five more. How? Like, we'll just keep making them forever. But that is the main reason. Yes. <laughs> um, exactly. So your dad, you you have that that sort of personal story and attachment to it that your dad always wanted you to be a cop.
2: Yeah, and and. By accident, he used to because as a cop, you know, he he we he needed to work three jobs to sort of pay for the house and, and for all the kids and all that stuff. Right. So he would do he would work security at Sears and he would also do take what they call side jobs and one of them was security on movie sets, um, and so he would take me to this movie sets and inadvertently instead of. Sp- instead of inspiring me to become a cop, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is what I want to do. I want to hang out on the set and and all that. And so that's where my love of of television came from and and movies and, and all of that. And, you know, I got to be on the set of Moonlighting. So, which was my really? favorite show in the world. Yeah, you know, and oh, I mean, I wasn't, so cool. you know, I'm just standing around and and, uh, and hanging out and watching it. And, Still, and but like
0: when it's your favorite show.
2: It. Yeah, no, and, and it was so great, you know, and it's like, oh yeah, I'm working this, what is this, Eddie Murphy movie? I'm like, oh my God, I'm down, you know? So <laughs> i like, I I, I would so immediately neat. be, you know, drive down to Chinatown and, uh, um, and come hang out on the set and, you know, see if I could see and I I, and it was funny because I I like just kind of stayed in the corner I didn't like try to go interact with anybody um inadvertently because I'm a giant um, ridiculous (laughs) human being people would notice me
0: you are uh you're hard to miss that's true yes exactly it's true um one of my questions actually for you was was about the sort of comedy part of like bringing that into a procedural because like you said oftentimes like the, the cases and shows about a murderer or just, you know, detective shows in general, whatever. Bringing in that element of comedy, how did you get to like Sean Spencer and him being, and, and Gus, and you know, obviously Lasseter and Juliet being, you know, we're the cops, but like this relationship and, and the funny and the crazy of the, of the fake psychic.
2: Well, it, it always felt like, you know, that it needed to, it, cop shows are more fun with an outsider. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and you can do grizzled or, or, or you know, disenchanted cop and it, that's been done a lot. But you didn't <laughs> yeah. see, you know, the, the, especially the era of the private detective, which when I was very little was like, you know, Jim Rockford and the Rockford Files. Yeah, totally. And, so you had you said this this sort of history of of the private eye who would come in and but the private eye was always like usually it was someone walking into their office and they'd have to get hired and I thought well, is there a way we can intrinsically make someone who shouldn't be in the police station needed in the police station all the time mm. and and so the psychic is some some something that some people do employ more than more on our show than, uh, than,
0: <laughs> than usual. in the history of reality. Did your dad have any experience with that?
2: I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I don't think he ever uh, dealt with the psychic okay, in, okay, okay. In, in, in that kind of way. But uh, you know, a lot of that was uh, artistic license and I put artistic in quotation marks. Uh, but it was a license then to create a character that didn't have to have any boundaries. And totally. that's why Sean, Sean should go to the extreme. And, uh, and and that's where it's just like, and, and for me, it's like writing should be fun and creating a show should be fun. And you know, like working on a one hour television show, it's so hard. Uh, and people, when I, when I first started telling them I wanted to write a one hour, they're like, you realize that's the hardest of, <laughs> of half hours of movies. It's the worst schedule, it's the longest schedule, it's the hardest thing. And I'm like, right. yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Don't never tell me, the, never tell me what's bad.
0: No, but 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 there is a like a lightness to our show and 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 just for people who don't know, usually I think procedurals shoot eight day episodes right and we were shooting seven. is that right? I think we even yeah. had like a shorter schedule. So, we even had more work in a, like we had the same amount of work in a shorter amount of time to do it. So, it wasn't even, it was going to be harder even than usual.
2: Well, and then we would hear about shows that, like, yeah, we're doing 12 days and it's, I don't know how we're going to do our visual effects. And I'm like, are you kidding us? We're doing it seven days. (laughs) And we would every once in a while get an eighth day as like a, oh, that was such a big deal.
0: That was it and felt would, so cushy? Yeah. I know.
2: And it, we would split them between two episodes so it oh, could, totally. uh, could be there. And we did a we did a two-hour musical in oh, 14 days.
0: Unbelievable. Which,
2: which was the craziest of, of all the schedules. It, that that was the one that I, I can't believe that none of us didn't go to the hospital or something for it was,
0: but that was all you and you blew me away on that just because. From writing all the music to directing it, and I know we're not—this isn't the musical episode of the of the podcast—but that's just a, like a teaser for later.
2: It's it's a preview of uh, of you know the psychologist is in episode <laughs> one hundred,
0: <laughs> exactly, um, which is also something to celebrate. Okay, so so how did the uh, the observational part of it, when it came to like Sean Spencer and how he was going to fool everybody and in, in the skill that he has, was that something your dad did with you?
2: That, and yeah, that was that was straight out of my dad, because my dad in his in his constant wanting me to be a cop was training me to be, uh, you know, was like he always said, I'm a paid observer. And so he would always mm. tell, me, tell me like, OK, you know, we'd sit down for <laughs> for lunch and he goes, OK, what's your exit? You know, just in case there's a firefight or whatever wow. that uh, that goes down. Uh, so, you know, and and it also I think it helped me too becoming a writer because. I'm not an eavesdropper, but I notice conversations and, and things and, 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 and you it drives characters my
0: characters of chairs and, and, yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, of course you have to study people as a writer.
2: Yeah. And so I, th- I think it was straight out of my dad who, you know, he says, if you know a room when you walk in, he says, how many hats are in a room? And I thought, oh, that's, that's really cool. You know, and so wow. I, I put that in the pilot. And the great thing about it is, you know, you, when you go into to a show, you you have your pitch and your pitch is your story. And you start with like a blurb about yourself. And then you say, okay, and now we're going to start the pitch. And then you start the story. And, and, and it feels very stilted right. to me when you when you do that, because it's like, okay, blah, 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 personal chatter. And now we'll talk about this story. And my, my pitch was seamless because there's Finny right there. He's visiting. Hi, Finny
0: i know i was gonna have peanut here today but i was like oh maybe it's a maybe maybe <laughs> for the first one i won't have her, but i might have her for the others hi finny okay
2: so he's he's here but he can't hear you because the headphones oh now he's bored uh so the great thing was you know my pitch was i was telling the story about my dad my dad wanting to be a cop and then i started telling the story about how many hats in the, in the room and that's the first scene of the pilot. But the great thing about that is I'm telling a story about my personal life. And he says, he said, how many hats in the room? And I closed my eyes and then I said three. And from there, and from that point, I was telling the story of the, of the pilot of Psych.
1: Wow. And,
2: and it was probably like, you know, and, and Bill McGoldrick who went on to become head of most everything's in yes, the room. And is yes. like, oh, wow, we're in the pitch. We're all of a sudden we're in the pitch. And it was such Amazing. a seamless transition that I realized, oh my gosh, i've hooked these people <laughs> you know <laughs> Wait, was, doesn't was, so always happen
0: when when kelly and chris were on so at through line did you have like a list of places you were going to go or was there did they have like a deal with? it, it? was
2: well. we no, we went to we went to um i'm sure we went to all those studios we went to sure. fox and the fox okay. pitch went pretty well and fox said hey well, let's make this a half hour and i'm like oh. i don't know how to do that right. that would be weird right and Um, And one of the places I I actually really wanted to go was USA Network because of Monk, because I liked watching Monk. And I said, here's a show that's kind of like ours that I thought we could pair with, which is, once again, talk about just talk things into existence. I had said let's go to USA Network and then they can put us on right after Monk. And they ended up putting us on right after Monk.
0: It's a perfect pairing though. And Monk at the time I felt like was was something we kind of hadn't seen because it was also an hour long. It was also more about the people and the relationships than necessarily, even though the cases were great, it was just so unique. And it was very funny, but not like sitcom funny it was, I think, kind of the first time we saw maybe like the dramedy. I think was the word they were calling it at the time. Yeah. But like, yeah.
2: Yeah, it, it was fantastic. I was such a fan, and the greatest thing is Andy Breckman, who's the creator of the show, called me once we got picked up, and and uh, I'm I'm like, oh my god, it's Andy Breckman. It's <laughs> so excited to talk <laughs> about. Turned out to be the nicest guy, and just offered. So much great advice without me ever having to ask. And and was such a wonderful man and and so great and gave me so many tips about navigating the, the system that I never would have known to do. Wow. You know, at that point.
0: Do you remember any of them? Do you remember well? Any- he
2: was he was instrumental in saying, Let's say you don't have to do all the stuff they're suggesting. People have to suggest things, you know? And so, you know, be able to look between that and and to me, it's like. In any in any process, I always say that it's a miracle that a show gets sold. It's a miracle that a script gets finished. It's, it's a miracle that a pilot gets made. It's a miracle that there's every one of them is a miracle. It is. And it, if they turn really out to is. be good, that's that's just you know, that you it's it's such a small percentage of any of those things. And I feel like, you know, for me, it's like I always surround myself with great, great people, and I want to give them credit as often as possible because. We've had some great executives. You yeah. know, people like to say, I hate our executives, you know, yeah. whatever. We've had some great executives that gave me notes that like, oh, yeah, that's right. Of course, we didn't do that and all that stuff. Right. And we've gotten, you know, I'm not saying that that the, the far percentage of notes were things that made all of us cringe but uh, you know you just find your ways around that but you, you know you look for the all right all right we didn't do that or you know yeah hey listen it would be great to explain all of those things over the course of the episode but it's 42 minutes and wouldn't you rather laugh and smile and see this character and do all that stuff and we'll cover it but we're gonna we're gonna fly by it quickly and we're gonna give the viewer enough credit that they don't have to hear the, the same thing repeated three or four times. Right,
0: so, right. So
2: for, for all of that, Andy Breckman was was just so amazing and uh, nice, and I've I'd never met that. the man face to face because really? he works he works out of out of New Jersey uh. at a writers' room in New Jersey, and uh, it just never worked out for our, our art schedules ever being in the same place. So, someday.
0: I love these stories. I love when people, the people who've helped us along the way, like, he probably doesn't realize what an impact that had with you. And and that there, there are these people kind of along the way. I do feel like we did have, from what I know, which was not what you know from, like, executives or whatever, but I do feel like we had some really loving, excited, creative people on our executive team. And, like, now that I've seen a lot of how shows get made and how lines can be drawn and that, like, You don't necessarily always feel them as a part of the creative process. And I felt like we had like real fans, like our actual creators and the people who were, I mean, creators, uh, executives who were involved were actual like fans of the show. Like it was really fun. This podcast is sponsored by Relief Band. When it comes to nausea, you have to get Relief Band, the number one anti-nausea wristband that quickly relieves and effectively prevents nausea and vomiting associated with motion sickness, anxiety, migraines, hangovers, morning sickness, chemotherapy, and so much more, basically everything and anything that causes nausea. Relief Band is natural, fast-acting, and will last as long as you need it. It's 100% drug-free, non-drowsy, and has zero side effects, true. I love this thing. My mom has also used this and she also gave me a testimonial and she said I could share it, which is basically that she recently had to have a procedure done and the anesthesia made her extremely nauseous. And the only thing that helped her was this relief ban. Um, I had vertigo last year uh, off and on for like a couple of months, uh, pretty intense. And same thing. It was like the only thing that helped at all was when I put on the relief ban. It, It just stopped the nausea. Like it stopped that feeling that just makes you it's just the worst feeling in the world. Um, Anyway, so I can't say enough about this product. I love it. Relief Band has an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating and over 100,000 satisfied customers, so they are a brand you can trust. Plus, Relief Band both treats and prevents nausea so you can help avoid nausea from becoming a problem in the first place. And Relief Band makes a great gift... For the nausea sufferer in your life, this is an amazing gift. If you know every, anybody who has <laughs> or suffers from or is going through, I mean, honestly, that's everybody at some point I feel like goes through this. Like it is such a good gift. You can also use your HSA and FSA dollars to get a relief band. So if you have funds left in those accounts, don't let them go to waste. Put that money to good use and get a wearable nausea solution that works. Remember, you don't have to over plan for nausea relief or dose up to six hours before a trip. Just bring your relief band and you're good to go. Right now we've got an exclusive offer just for psychologists are in listeners. If you go to ReliefBand.com and use promo code PINEAPPLE, you'll receive 20% off plus free shipping. So head to ReliefBand, R-E-L-I-E-F-B-A-N-D.com and use our promo code PINEAPPLE for 20% off plus free shipping. The holidays are here, which is perfect timing for today's sponsor, OneSkin. We all know that with all the holiday fun and festivities comes stress and harsh weather and can really take a toll on your skin. But thanks to OneSkin's disruptive approach that targets skin aging at the source, you can finish off 2023 with your skin at its healthiest. What makes One Skin the best? Their products are powered by a groundbreaking peptide, OS1, which is the first ingredient scientifically proven to prevent the accumulation of aged senescent cells, the primary culprit behind skin aging. The real magic... OS1 has actually been proven in the lab to actually reduce the biological age of skin by several years, meaning it not only prevents, but slows down skin aging, leaving you with healthier and more hydrated and glowing skin. OneSkin just launched their mini bundles, which include face and eye topical supplement, I love both of these, body lotion, and cleanser, which all come in this cute little travel bag. If you're traveling this winter, and almost everybody is, One Skin has your mini skincare essentials covered. And if you're gifting this holiday season, One Skin's mini bundles are the perfect stocking stuffers. For a limited time, our listeners can enjoy an exclusive 15% off One Skin products using the code pineapple when you check out at oneskin.co. This holiday season, give yourself and your loved ones a head start on New Year's resolutions to swap your skincare for skin longevity. I've been using this for a little while now. I love it so much. I think my skin, I've been getting complimented on my skin and that's the only thing I've changed. So uh, I definitely think that it works. My skin feels tighter, and, uh, and super hydrated. So I'm, I'm a huge fan. Treating the symptoms rather than the root causes of aging has long been the norm. Most skincare available on the market is designed to provide a temporary reduction in visible signs of aging, addressing just the surface symptoms of an underlying decline in skin health. One skin is the world's First Skin Longevity Company. One Skin addresses skin health at the molecular level, targeting the root causes of aging so skin feels and appears younger. It's time to get started with your new face, eye, and body routine at a discounted rate today. New customers get 15% off with code PINEAPPLE at oneskin.co. This is such a good deal. 15% off oneskin.co with code PINEAPPLE. The new year is approaching. Now is the best time to invest in your skin. Age healthy with One Skin. As a gift, deodorant historically ranks somewhere between novelty underwear and coal. Sure. Until Lumi, that is. Lumi is on the top of most wished for lists on Amazon for personal care products. Lumi is a game-changing whole body deodorant designed by an OBGYN to work not only on your pits, but also feet, privates, and everywhere else we get odor. No matter where you use it, Lumi is clinically proven to block odor all day, thanks to its one-of-a-kind pH-optimized formula. And they've got over 275,000 five-star reviews to show for it. So really, giving Lumi isn't just giving a deodorant. It's giving a product that'll blow whatever they're using out of the water. For confidence, they'll feel from head to toe or uh, pits to toe, really. Special offer. Okay, new customers get $5 off Lumi starter pack with our exclusive code and link. Use code PINEAPPLE5 at LumiDeodorant.com. Lumi, L-U-M-E-D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T.com. I just, I love this product. I love it because it's not really, or at least the one I use is like not really scented because I'm really sensitive to that. And it doesn't really change once you put it on your body either. And anyway, and it it just, it works. It works for a, a long time. Lumi is a whole body deodorant created by an OBGYN who saw firsthand how normal BO was being misdiagnosed and mistreated. Lumi is clinically proven to block odor all day and control odor for up to 72 hours. How? Unlike some deodorants, that just try to mask the odor with fragrance. This is what I'm talking about. Lumi is formulated and powered by mandelic acid to stop odor before it starts. It's like a it's like a pre-deodorant. It's like a pre-odorant. I like that word. Baking soda free and paraben free and pH balanced for safe use below the belt. Clinically proven to control odor better than a shower with soap alone. 12 hours after a shower, the average person has an odor level of six out of 10. With Lumi, the average odor level is zero out of 10. Did you hear that? Lumi Starter Pack is perfect for new customers. Also makes a great gift. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice like mini body wash and deodorant wipes, and free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get $5 off a Lumi Starter Pack with code PINEAPPLE5 at lumideodorant.com. That equates to over 40% off your starter pack when you visit lumideodorant.com and use code Five.
2: And, and the funny thing is, you know, I hired a, a handful of people and, and our two lowest writers were Anupam Nagam and, um, Andy Berm, Andy Berman,
0: who was the lowest level. That's so crazy. Yeah, Our now two like...
2: lowest level writers were, um, and Anupam was, this uh, is just such a funny, um, it was just such a funny interview. It's like, I knew I had to hire him right on, uh, right on the spot. And his, his dad wanted him to be a, a doctor. And so he had this sort of, totally different experience uh um but the uh in life but but we were, we were tied by these two things and andy berman had written was an actor who was on the wonder years um played chuck and and was in a lot of movies but and he was the one that's like he's my choice this is my they, these two these two guys are my choice that's one and of I- my
0: questions was like who were your like dream people okay cool so from day one yeah.
2: Yeah. Exactly. And they had, you know, and then the, the studio wanted us to get some seasoned people who knew their way around the procedural, and, and you know, and then I think after the first year, it's like, oh well, well, hold on, maybe we'll just go with these guys that are crazier. So we uh, we ended up <laughs> fortifying our staff with the uh, um, with 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 the the tone that that, that ended up becoming the uh, the show. But uh, but people, you know, and and so we would we would have a, a fairly small writers room, but it's like you know, everybody was, was welcome to pitch ideas. It's the assistants, you know, the, uh, the script supervisor and, you know, our script supervisors and assistants ended up writing episodes for us. And, uh, you know, and that's it, right. It a, that's right. But we always, it was always about this show has a different tone and the tone is wish fulfillment and each episode mm. starts with the world and the world is the important thing whether it's uh the world of the spelling bee whether it's the world of of american idol or it's uh, you know it's it's we're going to do neon jones this week it should all come from some place of like oh my god i want to do that I, you know and so it's it's about wish fulfillment so that was that's always that's so cool it should be fun it's what we're doing is fun
0: that's how it always felt it always felt like an adventure every episode felt like an adventure also, I, I'm i noticing uh, the Indiana Jones pinball machine, as you said, Indiana <laughs> Jones in the background, uh, which you said, I did ask you about this early on, but now that we're recording, you bought this with when you got Big Daddy?
2: It was my one um, extravagant purchase uh, <laughs> between Saladin Patterson and I. Uh, we, we are just, we don't consider ourselves cheap. We just don't like to waste money. In terms of that, but it was the one purchase I made for I'm myself. Like, that I'm buying this. I got to have this. And and I used to, when I wrote, I would get stuck. And whenever I got stuck, I would drive down to the arcade and play pinball. And it, it, it forces you, a, a little silver ball coming at you, forces you to get out of your own head. Yeah. And almost every time I would solve the problem while playing some silly pinball machine. So it's a magical
0: pinball machine. It's, a, it's a little bit
2: magical, yes, exactly. I
0: love this. I love that. I mean, I feel like writers often like kind of talk about whatever they have to do to sort of get out of their head for a minute. But Indiana Jones pinball, I think, is the coolest one I've ever I've ever heard.
2: I think it's it's my favorite. And then the other thing we used to do in the writers' room is um, I would say, let's get the room on its feet, and we would just go for a walk. And our offices were oh, in I Manhattan Beach. Yeah. And we would just walk, and and the first twenty minutes, you don't get anything done. And sometimes it's hot and, and people are like, oh, why are we doing this? But after you get get going, we just keep walking and suddenly it's like, oh, hold on. What about this? And we would come up with so many episode ideas or solve episode problems or realize the episode we were trying to, to write is a terrible one <laughs> and change our mind.
0: So I want to talk casting now from the beginning. So so you write your pilot. So who helped you write the pilot? Was that uh, That's just you, right?
2: That was just me, yeah. Yeah, that
0: was just you. So you pitch, you go like you pitch a couple people or whatever, and they McGoldrick is like, "Oh, we're in the pitch." You're like, "We're cruising. This is my guy." Uh, and then USA, we land at USA. Were there any other contenders, or was it just like, "No, this is our home"?
2: It was pretty much uh, our home. It was right. like I said, there was the Fox thing of like, "Hey, you want to make this a half hour?" And like, yeah, but I, you know, <laughs> I. I don't tend to get like because what I do is pretty specific. Uh it it isn't usually like a town-wide bidding war. Right. <laughs> right. Like, but
0: but like it's never that. It's never a town-wide bidding war. Uh and and but I I do feel like like there was, I can't even imagine psych anywhere else. So it makes sense that it would just be like, no, it's USA. Cause that's where, yeah. that's where and, we're going to live. And
2: pretending it's my choice right now, but it's a, it but was it's your like choice, I,
0: Monk. It well, was the perfect berry. Well, <laughs> but
2: it's like, sometimes whenever I pitch something, I'm like, oh, why would we go to them? Because they don't do this and they would, they would want, probably want to change it or they, they're not going to want to do. So I, I like to target, you know, this place will do what we want, right. uh, we're, we're bringing them this show and they would they would want this show. And right. I, you know, I don't feel like shoehorning this into the CW is gonna be good for anybody. Right. And like I said, the, the mantra is, it has to be fun. It it can't be, you know, in so many people you say, it's miserable, we're getting all these, you know, all this pressure. It has to be fun. Because that's the only way you're gonna make a great show.
0: That was the tone. Um, okay, so now we're going to USA or you're making a pilot for USA. Um, is the next move then casting?
2: yeah well we we wrote the script and you know we figured that oh, you sold the pitch uh, right maybe, okay, so yeah you sold script. the pitch i had to have them i had to have them send me a one hour um tv drama script because i'd never seen <laughs> one oh of my, my god life. really because i knew that the formatting is so different for a half hour or for a feature film and i'd written i'd written feature films and uh and then written half hours but i'd never done a one hour what so do I'm you remember
0: like, what script they sent you
2: i got a whole bunch of them but i got some monks i got a few monks and those were fun and, uh, and then I got some, some old strange stuff. I think I got some 4,400s, which really didn't apply oh, interesting.
0: To, yeah. to
2: anything that we were doing, but I just wanted to get the format right and pretend like, Oh yeah, I know exactly how this goes. <laughs> uh,
0: I love it. And you, so, okay. So, so you sold this on a pitch.
2: So we sold it on a pitch. We went in the room, we wrote the script. And then I remember I was at the movies and then I got a call from Jackie DeCrennis who said, Hey, we're gonna, um, we're gonna make this thing. And I was, I was I don't remember what movie it was, but I was bummed because I didn't go back into the movie because at this point, I'm like, <laughs> I was too excited to do that, uh, to do that. But I was like, oh my God, how well now, now it's like, how am I going to do this? Right. Uh, so we, and the script was, uh, was really um, well received. So they said, we're going to make a pilot. And we went into the casting process and, uh, you know, and they gave us, they, they make their list of names right. of, you know, of of people you do, you're not going to meet you're not going to have read they're just you know they're just names offer of only or whatever yeah, yeah offer them the show and they'll do right, it and right. uh some people it's like oh we really like th- this person we met some like like some really you know cool funny people
0: do you remember anybody
2: no i don't know and i get confused my first show but i know that i every once in a while in the garage i'll find um i'll find like notes casting notes and like oh i was so stupid but i remember um <laughs> I remember it was either for this or my NBC show and Kevin Hart had come in.
0: Oh, wow, but, really? And
2: I wrote, hey, this guy's funny. Like I'd figured this out. Like, hey, this guy's funny. Like, oh, that's how, hilarious.
0: Like, like, you were like, by the way, I just just discovered somebody. Like he's yeah, funny. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's
2: like, amazing. No, nobody in those in the room would have figured this out, but this guy's funny. <laughs> but
0: I, I, just this guy knows his comedy. He knows his comedy. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, OK, so you met with some people.
2: We met. With, we met with some people, and you know the lists were. You know there were there were some interesting names, but mm. once again we were basic cable. You know, and and this was you know at the at the cusp of USA's really successful run. So it wasn't like the best idea, you know, the, the most exciting idea in the world for actors to come do a basic cable show.
0: Right. At right. At the time, especially. Right.
2: But, but for me, it's like, it, I was like, wait a minute, we, we do only 16 episodes of this. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and we get, when we get the, all this freedom to do this and yeah. we have a studio and a network that, that I'm like, sign me up. I never want to do a, a network thing. Right. So we ended up meeting, um, we ended up just starting casting and James came in um pretty early on and the first time we we met him um he had this big shaggy mountain man beard
0: oh that's so funny he did
2: <laughs> i think he was he was a little um he was a little more reserved than usual yeah um he because- is
0: though it's interesting like personality like he is reserved it- I think when people meet him, sometimes they're kind of surprised at how reserved he is just because of, you know, Sean Spencer is not yeah. at all.
2: Yeah, it was. And it was uh, and I'm like, OK, so I like it. But, but when he said the words, he was he was he was like 70 percent of of what he would end up doing. Right. But he was still reserved even in the performance. But I just like this guy's really funny. Let's bring him back in. Um, and so he was the one that, 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 was on the list. And then we had, we had a handful of people like, Oh, this person's pretty good. And our casting person was like, all right, well, you should have this because this, the network loves this person. I'm like, okay. Right. So, um, and, and this is me and casting. I'm the worst person with casting because I, I'll, and I, I said this to you and like, I think about it, this person read my sides learned these words picked out an outfit got ready drove down here sat in that waiting room got validation for parking and they walk in and you know it's so easy people go nope and i'm like well let's just see so i always talk to the actors i always see like uh you know is this is this person have something in them before we ever hear the words i want to know you know what's happening with this performance and whether it's just like, Hey, wow, you did the, you did the, the Nestle quick commercial. And that was pretty funny. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Yeah. That's so nice though, Steve, by the way, a lot of people don't think that way.
2: It's nice from my side, but it drives everybody else in the room crazy because it's like, we're 40 minutes behind,
0: (laughs) but it's so (laughs) nice. I don't know. Like that kind of just awareness and care and all of it. It's really special.
2: Well, and also, you know, it's like we always had the no a-hole policy, but I always, we have a no, I don't want to, because if I'm going to have to be with these people, and I, I always said we're going to do five years, I said if I'm going to have to be with these people every day or, you know, interact with them, I I want someone who's really special as a human being.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: I'd rather have an, an, an actor, you know, if there's an amazing actor who's an a-hole. It just it's not worth it and it and it disrupts the flow and the fun of everything else so totally. for me it was like just as important to know oh wow this person's pretty cool yeah and you know and uh and so we would start the words and and talking with james i'm like oh, okay I, I love this guy he's great and so james came in again and then the second time he was just off the charts unbelievable.
0: Is that the video we've seen? I think it's a part of one of the DVD extras. That was
2: even, that was further down the, the, the line. But it was funny because once we cast James, he would come in to the casting sessions and he would read with people. Um, just to to read, especially with the Gusses, he would, would he read with most of them.
0: He's such a generous actor. I mean, that, that does not surprise me at all from just from the very beginning. But yeah. Okay. So so that was from, did he have to like network test and all that stuff? And like, okay, yeah, yeah, unfortunately yeah, yeah, yeah. we were right. like,
2: we're like, this is the guy. Can you, you know, I was like, this guy's a movie star. This guy yeah. is, you know, the, yeah. and they're like, we have our process, <laughs> you know, so <laughs> we brought in, we brought in, you know, you have to bring in like four, which I of think course. is like the, the worst kind of thing that actors have to go through is like there's three other versions of you no matter what the testing process is
0: so much it's just
2: so hard and then you go in the parking lot and sign your life away for the next seven years before you ever go to sit in that room
0: it's true i mean people don't know that you know when you tell the story they're like wait what you're testing i'm like well yeah but technically like i've already signed the contract but they can decide at that point if they want me or not. I just like if they decide it's me, I've now committed for as you said, 7 years not Yeah, with long the the contract is for. It's kind of a wild experience. You know all of that going into a test room. Like your your episodic fee, how much you're going to make, then how many years it's, you know, most of them I think standard are 7 years. It might be different now with cable, but uh yeah. So you have all that kind of like writing on it as well when you go in the room because then you start calculating you're like seven years. I'd be making what? And I go, Wow. OK. All right. So it is it's a, such a wild process and it's still kind of the process. It's so it's still what they do. OK, so he comes in. He clearly he gets it. <laughs>
2: He, he does it. And then Dulé was on our list because uh, West Wing was ending. Right. And so, and we liked, we just loved him as a dramatic actor. I didn't know him as, I, I hadn't seen the Corn Pops commercial yet. So, <laughs> so we, knew, we, we knew we knew he thoughts. was on Broadway and we knew all that stuff. Right, right. Um, but Dooley was, was of, of a stature that he didn't have to read. He wasn't required to read. So we just said, let's just get a meeting with him. Uh, and so we came in for the meeting and, uh, and we loved him. we were talking to him and they're like, oh, this guy would be so great. And, and it's like, oh my gosh, you think he can do it? And then at the end, uh, he's just like, should we read this? And I'm like,
0: okay. Do they said that? Yeah.
2: Oh, so I it love was it. A, it was a matter of, you know, I think we were just feeling each other out as, uh, uh hum, human beings as, and, uh, and he and James did it and it was like, oh, wow, this is, this is, this is something. You know, and they had a really nice um, banter and flow and then we did it again and then they started to, to play and, and the whole character of Gus suddenly, suddenly starts to appear you yeah. know, and in, that, in that moment
0: when you had the script they read they test then you see their chemistry together did you go back and rewrite anything did anything change character wise after meeting them and being like oh they've brought this like this other this other thing now or did that just slowly evolve in the episodes
2: well I think as as we were going it definitely did especially once we got to the pilot so we started adjusting because it's like oh well Dulé does this and he does that and and then James does this and James does that and you know you're fitting it but the core of who the characters were never changed right they they in they embodied, you know, they just built upon and expanded upon and and gave a, uh, this complete life to everything that they did. And, and we're like, oh, my gosh, he does that super well. So we're going to do that.
0: The holiday season is around the corner. And with it comes gift giving, lots of great food and, of course, dreaded holiday portraits. Everybody knows this feeling, right? And it never fails. It's like yours, that like pimple or that thing, that little breakout, whatever happens. It always happens when it's like you have these like very special events you have to go to and you have to see a lot of people, especially people you haven't seen in a long time. Anyway, While we can't control other aspects of the holidays, we can make sure you feel confident and camera ready for your photos. That's why we're excited to partner with Apostrophe. Apostrophe's goal is to help you feel confident in your own skin. Whether you're dealing with breakouts, signs of aging, or acne scarring, Apostrophe will help you love the skin you're in. Apostrophe is an online platform that connects you with an expert dermatology team to get customized acne treatment for your unique skin. Through Apostrophe, you can get access to oral and topical medications that use clinically proven ingredients to help clear acne. Simply fill out an online consultation about your skin goals and medical history, then snap a few selfies, and a dermatology provider will create a customized treatment plan just for you. How nice is that? Apostrophe offers access to prescription treatments for all types of acne, from hormonal acne, to facial acne, back, chest, and butt acne. Yep. Treat breakouts from head to toe. What I love about the Apostrophe experience is the easy access to an expert dermatology team. Apostrophe provides access to prescription treatments and they connect you to online virtual derm consultations. We have a special deal for our audience. Get your first visit for only $5 at apostrophe.com slash pineapple when you use our code pineapple. That is a savings of $15. This code is only available to our listeners. To get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash pineapple and click get started. Then use our code pineapple at sign up and you'll get your first visit for only $5. Thank you, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this episode. We can all agree on one thing. Nobody likes a smelly garbage that attracts fruit flies and ants into the kitchen. Like nobody, who, yeah. Now that I've invested in a Lomi, it has changed the way I deal with my food waste. Lomi is the biggest innovation in the modern day kitchen since the dishwasher. In just four hours, Lomi transforms almost anything you eat into nutrient-rich plant food at the push of a button. Cut the chore of doing the trash in half, eliminate bugs and odors in your kitchen, and here's the bonus. You get to feed your lawn and garden with an all-natural fertilizer that you just created out of your food scraps. Lomi promises to bring you the best possible experience every time you run a cycle. They're one of the only kitchen appliances that has a full, no questions asked, lifetime warranty on all devices. And they don't stop there. Lomi looks after you from day one and beyond. You'll automatically get upgraded to a new Lomi device every three years. How nice is that? I love my new routine with Lomi. No more stinky trash bins or leaky bags make a mess of the house when I take, you know, the bag out to the garbage. I mean, honestly, it's game changing. Plus, you get to put the the food into your in your garden it's like it, it gets to grow from your waste I, I also love that whether you want to start making a positive environmental impact or just grow a beautiful garden lomi is perfect for you head to lomi.com slash pineapple and use the promo code pineapple to get fifty dollars off your Lomi that is fifty dollars off when you head to Lomi L O M I dot com slash pineapple and use promo code pineapple at checkout. This is also, this is such a good deal. Thank you Lomi for sponsoring this episode. I was going to say, which character do you think you're like, do you most identify with? Or was there any sort of like, Oh, this is more me or it's
2: funny. Cause I always say that the the character is actually a split of my personality because I'm as cautious and thoughtful as Gus is. Um, and, but, I also am always looking for fun, the way that, right. that Sean is.
0: Yes, I can totally see that.
2: So I'm not as bold as Sean is, and I'm not as as smart as Gus is. But uh, but I, I possess many of the characters, and I also, most importantly, I possess the super smeller. <gasps> because
0: that's one of my questions. <laughs> there we for go. You was as I was watching through the pilot again and then into Spelling Bee. I have so many little isms of like the blueberry, the super smeller, like who was like, yeah, that's Gus's car and that's going to be the car for like eight seasons. And we're going to call it the blueberry. And also the super smeller is just such an interesting trait. I I also have a super smeller.
2: Well, there we go. So there you go. So it's a curse, right? It is a
0: curse. And especially when you're like, what is that? And nobody else knows what you're talking about. But I just never had a name for it. And until psych where I'm like it's a super smeller
2: and if, so, if there's spellers. someone next to me with like too much cologne or perfume it's like it's it's torture we will be walking our dogs and we'll be walking there's like a condo area and I'm like someone's making like garlic bread upstairs and it's like you can
0: suddenly you're like, like I want Italian for dinner
2: Oh my gosh! And and it and this is where I'm like the guys. It's like those scents. I'm like makes me hungry all the time it's when I smell food, <laughs> and I smell true. food all the time. Yeah. So no,
0: I'm. This is so funny. So okay. So that's part of your personality. So the super smeller and Gus was actually uh, you.
2: I think a lot of my personality stuff goes into Gus. I'm also the vault of secrets. Uh, mm. Is that uh, that Tim Tim trigger always says one of our our writers. Uh, he says, "Like, wait, you didn't, you didn't tell anybody that." And I go, "You told me not to tell anyone." Oh my gosh! So, but yeah, but like, you could tell your wife, you know. And I'm like, "Well, you said that. You said this is in confidence, and it, you know, and and I, I'm, I'm never like burdened with like stories of someone murdering something or someone. But if someone says, says, hey, keep this to yourself." Okay, then you you just said keep it to yourself so I'm I'll keep it to myself. but uh...
0: that's by the way, an amazing trait. That's a great just a person, a, a human friend like that is such a nice thing.
2: Well, thank you. I'm
0: <laughs> very rare. I feel like in our business and in this town.
2: Yeah, well maybe maybe I just forget. like oh yeah i should have spelled the beans about that
0: i have to apologize for keep looking down at my phone a few times um i um there's a little surprise for you uh that will be arriving uh very soon uh but we'll see we'll see we'll just keep talking and then we'll the the surprise will uh will 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 soon appear Um, well i will
2: i'll I'll keep things moving forward then too (laughs) until we get there
0: let's invite your surprise
2: Okay, I'm ready. I'm, wait, I'm excited. Let's see. I thought it would, for a moment was coming to my house because I heard my dog bark.
0: Oh, no. Well, wait a I minute. I think it's definitely.
2: <laughs> I, think, I think I see what it is.
0: Yeah. Hold on. He's connecting to audio. Wait, let's There's see your can... face. Hold on. Connect to video. Chief, 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 Blaseter.
2: This, if this is who I think it is. But, uh, <laughs> it and, would uh, be
0: weird if you didn't know who it was at this point, but. Well, uh... <laughs> it, could, it could be someone
2: just using the nickname. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And hi. Hello there.
0: Hi. Hi, Tim. Hey, guys. What you
1: doing? You guys playing cards?
0: Yeah, we're just, just hanging playing out. We're just
1: hanging out doing something. That's a nice hat you have there. That's an nice, amazing like, hat. Um, the, yeah, the coolest rap gift ever for the coolest psych movie ever, I think. Yeah. I know we haven't seen five yet, but all I know is that <laughs> three was um, Beyond All Hopes and Dreams.
0: We're going to see ten, can't... hopefully. And I haven't even seen it yet. So, So, Tim... I have been talking. Hi, Sam. Uh, which is kind of perfect because we actually were just going through all this whole process of like how Steve came up with Psych and and uh, characters, and we were about to sort of get into the pilot. Obviously, I wasn't in the pilot, but which uh, but-
1: <laughs> had I had I known, I would have not done the pilot out of protest. <laughs> <laughs> Wait,
2: do you know? do you know what's amazing and, and it, it actually times out perfectly because we just talked about casting james and we talked about casting Dulé. Dulé, mm-hmm. but it was tim who came in and uh mm. he was the one he was it the is. one who right off the the bat within the room they were ready to hire him at the uh at the studio network test but he was in down with love and i remembered that and i go i'm I remembered him in that. And then his read of, of Lassard from the first mm. words he said was so spectacular and so funny. And like, this is the guy. We knew it, it was going to be him.
1: Yes, yeah, so and it was the interrogation scene of the first time Lassard hauls in Sean. So that's I hadn't gotten the script. I just got that scene. So I thought it's a cop show. So I put on my blue cop suit, went to the audition, saw a bunch of my old friends sitting in the wedding rooms in their blue cop suits. Yeah, so I go on to see... Uh, Steve Kelly and uh, and Chris and um, our casting director, and as just as I'm about to start, Steve goes, "Hey, just so you know, it's not moonlighting. It's N Y. It's it's not N Y P D blue. It's moonlighting." I was and like, "Oh he, great!" Which okay.
0: we talked about just now earlier in the recording that it was well one of his favorite shows uh, growing up, and then he also his dad was a security guard uh, and was doing work on moonlighting. So we actually got to go and watch. Uh, moonlighting being being filmed. So it's, it's like it keeps... Moonlighting keeps making its way. Sort of yeah,
2: yeah. Thank God I told you right then. Um, but yeah, I probably should have told you the second you walked in the door.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but just, it, was, it was as I was about to start my first line, you told me that. I was like, oh, okay, great. Because uh, I actually watched Moonlighting as a kid and really loved it. I was like, I could do Moonlighting. A million people can do NYPD Blue. Like anybody, anybody can do Tough Cop. But um, Comedy Cop's a little tougher. So I did it, and I just remember feeling so good in the room and you guys being so supportive. Like I literally said, I'm going to get the hell out of here before I screw this up and they ran out the
0: door. <laughs> you have that worry though, as an actor sometimes when you're like, when you've done it and you're like, man, I I was in the zone, like that was good. And then there was like this banter after and like you want to talk and you're like, yeah. I don't want my personality to mess this up. I so let me yeah, get Stephen, out of the room. Steven and Kelly
1: were like, like that was it, you nailed that. and like, oh, I gotta go. I gotta go. <laughs> I gotta go.
0: Let me not say another word. Um,
1: That's,
2: uh, Chris Chris Henze calls that because I'll do that after a, re- a really good pitch. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll just keep talking. And Chris is like, take yes for an answer <laughs> and leave <laughs> right now.
0: Such good advice. Why are you advice. still selling it? It's funny. So when I was talking to Tim yesterday, too, he said to me that uh, he's like, it's so funny. I remember the day Steve Franks called me and said, I, I got it. Um, like it was yesterday. Yeah, I remember
1: the phone call. I was on. Um, it was right near the Westfield Mall, Mall for some reason. Seeing a call from you, so I pulled over because I was responsible and didn't, wasn't on the phone while I was um, driving. I, this was right after the test. And and Steve gave me the good news. It's like, you know, I'm not Hollywood. I'm not a Hollywood guy. I don't live there. This is gonna be super fun. It's all about fun and family. And I was like, that's, count me in, man. That's awesome. I can't and believe I said that.
0: From the beginning. Because you know I'm so Hollywood. He <laughs> just said, Hollywood. it's kind of amazing. Like now that I think about, uh, how this whole thing came together and also where we are. I mean, we're still doing it, where it's not even just like, let's talk about this adventure we had, we're still having it, Um, which is unreal. And I think like listening to you, Steve, talk about this other part of like, no a-holes allowed and like, it really was.
1: And yet I still got in.
0: (laughs) 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 That's how good of an actor you are, Tim.
1: (laughs) Speaking of um, the time frame, on the third movie, not spoiling anything, There's that there happened to be that first amazing day in that group scene when all of us were there. And we were trying to do the math of like how long we'd all been involved in this project. What was the final math on it?
0: Well, it's I mean, Steve said 2004 is when he first came up with like when he started developing psych. Um, I came on. Oh, sick. go ahead.
2: Oh no no! Well, I mean, for you guys, uh, for it was two th- uh, October two thousand fifteen. It would have been the uh, the when we shot the pilot because
0: two
2: thousand five, <laughs> oh, two thousand fifteen. No, it's two thousand fifteen. See, but I told you I like, didn't a lot It's like fifteen years,
0: wrong. sixteen years.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm starting to do the math. Like, yeah, no, two thousand five, which gives us not fifteen but sixteen years at this point and uh yeah so that's that's just from you guys and i think yeah I must have come up with it in 2004 pitched it well, in 2005
1: established 2006
0: well that's that when, we, when premiered. we premiered yeah we
2: premiered in july of uh, 2006 so but the but they said hey you know the best time to shoot a movie set in the summer in Santa Barbara is in October and November <laughs> in Vancouver.
0: One of my questions for you Steve was like do you remember any stories just from making the pilot that cuz I mean I can see breath in a lot of the in a lot of the shots <laughs> <laughs> like and then rain at Thanks one so point. Much. Yeah, there's like a lot but I yeah, if there was anything uh element wise also Santa Barbara. Like it's such an interesting location for a cop show.
1: <laughs> like the main street.
0: Yeah, the main streets of Santa Barbara. But I feel like th- th- that that must have played into your comedy sort of lighter side of all this.
2: Well, I mean, it was once again, it's, it goes back to being fun and and, and, right. and hiring fun people and all that stuff. And I, I grew up and we would go vacation in Santa Barbara. That was that was instead of Hawaii, that was what we had, you know, and so we would go up there and I, I love that place. And I always said, Oh, I want to have a house up here. And, uh, uh, and you know, someday, which, which I don't, but, uh, but I still like to visit there. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> the network was just
0: like, yeah, Santa Barbara. Great. It's going to shoot in Vancouver because well, that they, makes did. Sense.
2: they came to me like right away and they said okay about the santa barbara thing and i'm like yeah you love it right you know because I'm, <laughs> gre- I'm this green idiot and they go what about seattle and i'm like seattle and, like, seattle? and like the only thing i remembered seattle from was from a show called Oh, no, it wasn't even Seattle. The only thing I remember from the Pacific Northwest was a show called Hello, Larry when I was
1: like three years old with McLean Stevenson. It's amazing you can
0: remember something (laughs) from when you were three years old. I'm
1: surprised (laughs) you didn't didn't reference Medicine Ball, one of my first series was shot in Seattle. Oh, there we go. amazing,
0: amazing Medicine Ball.
1: Yeah, so, or maybe it
2: was, you know, Twin Peaks was shot Mm. like somewhere in in that region. Mm -hmm. Um, And Northern Exposure probably. Um, At that point, but I was just like, well, you know, the idea is, is, is it's beautiful and fun there. And, you know, and uh, they're like, all right, all right. So they said we have one place where there's palm trees, and it was White Rock, which is right next to the border, which is the place we shot the last day of, uh, of the psych movie three and it was uh, it was an amazing and beautiful day and uh, and it was just uh, it was just Tim and 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 Corbin and uh, I don't know if I'm oh wait yeah, no and James and Dulay were there that last yeah, day. That's right. Uh, but it was it was a magical great day and then I I drove straight to across the border that night.
0: <laughs> oh that's right. You went to Seattle, right?
2: Yeah, I went to yeah. went to Seattle across the border. I was the only person at the at the border station. I drove like I. I took a cue from Tim, who every season would drive his car up uh, rather than fly in and and, uh, and enjoy the majesty of the Pacific Northwest in that drive. And and uh, we did it, and it was it was it was fantastic driving home.
0: It, yeah, it's so beautiful. We we did that a few times. Uh, and Tim, we'll probably get to this in a different episode. But I was thinking yesterday about the uh, speeding ticket that I got while we were driving <laughs> yeah. to our, which I actually do think may have was that during spelling bee. Was that during like it was early? I know we were It went, was early on. We did gun training, and uh, and just because we were like, I mean, I felt anyway. We'll get to that in a minute. But I just to stay on the pilot for a second, just because like I rewatched the pilot. It's. So, you know, pilots can be a little bit like, we're setting up this relationship, we're setting up that relationship, we have to now set up the whole show or whatever. This was like, a st- like from day one, the chemists, the Sean and Gus chemistry, like Lassiter and James going like the Henry, Sean stuff, like all of it was just so there immediately.
2: What was so great about that is that uh, there was this great thing that happened on Tim, and Tim can talk to- <laughs> talk to this, but, Tim came in, knew every single one of his lines, and was back, back to front. But what he didn't know is that the whirlwind of James Roday. And so he comes in for the um, for the tests, and they they come in together. And James is completely off book and uh, and prepared. Tim uh, now had to. Well, you, I'll let you go from there, Tim, because uh, yeah. So
1: it it actually. So I was so freaking furious. In this guy, like I was, wanted to kill him. <laughs> And um, you know, for those who don't know, a test situation is incredibly stressful. I go and I do my first, my first pass at it, and I walk out of like walk out of the room just full of beans and ready to just like want to. And they came out to give me notes, and they're like, "Okay, hey, we think um, like that was great. You're awesome, obviously, but um, we think you might we're worried you're, you might be a little um, something like a little too soft to be the um, the authoritarian in this relationship. So can you go in with a little more heat?" And I was like, "Watch this." <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, oh my God
1: so actually but, so James really gave me an incredible gift in that in that audition but because I went and just wanted to kill him and and the scene is like last year is so aggressive in that scene that um I wanted to pin him, up, pin him up against the wall, which he's so much heavier than me there was one scene one time where early on when like last was trying to manhandle sean. oh it was the um it was the scene in the kitchen, I think all right uh, no, uh, he yeah. was one of the main times and I was like, dude help me out here because you, you outweigh me by a good solid 70 pounds of muscle. <laughs> so, try try me not look like a piece of spaghetti. So uh, in that audition, I didn't have to luckily manhandle him, but I think I pushed him against the wall with my voice, and I was so angry. And then I, afterwards, I came out like, "Okay, that went well."
0: That's so funny. There's a really funny it. moment in the pilot where you you have him. Wait, you have him up against the cop car? Like up against the door? Yeah. At the very end and I was like, it's so funny because you are pushing him so hard to get it. like. By the way, I feel like a lot of the physical stuff we did on the show was actually like bones were broken. Uh I know Delays. <laughs> Delay when he slapped Sean and then they slap each other a few times. Yeah. Those were real. Um wait, Steve, what were you going to say?
2: Oh, I was just going to say uh, leading right up to it you asked about the uh, Vancouver in that that time of uh, of year and there was and, and that that leads right to a Tim story because that entire scene, um, Laster throws Sean to the ground, and um, there was about an inch of snow on the ground. Oh my god! <laughs> it was supposed to be in the middle of the summer, and we had people with hair dryers melting <laughs> the snow, and we were shoveling and melting the the ice. But that didn't mean that the ground wasn't still frozen solid. And Tim, <laughs> Tim, going down the ground, you could you would think that the sound of, of two human beings falling to a, a little grassy area is kind of generally kind of nice and soft. But it was like they just dropped onto the ice sheet in the Arctic. <laughs> and do you remember, Tim, how, how cold
1: and hard that ground was? Oh. I do. <laughs> I was more focused on trying to pick up James. At one point, I think I like had him around the waist and just hoisted him with everything, and his little legs went up.
0: Oh, that's funny.
1: <laughs> and that was the thing at the at the beginning the the, the studio
2: and the everybody they loved James's psychic freakouts, you know. So they wanted this big Jim Carrey physical thing right. that James was like, yeah, okay, I'll do a little of that. But James is always like, what am I going to do new the next time? Uh,
0: yeah. So, uh, How did, did you write out like, Sean has, did you have in your head like what a psychic episode looked like or was that like James just being like, all right, I guess I'm gonna flail around and and throw myself at walls and like, I mean, even the first couple that happened in the pilot, like it's, and the music too. Like the first Sean vision is actually little, is young Sean. Yeah. In the diner and the music like uh, was already kind of established. It's so good of this, like, like, like he's figure we're figuring something out and it's got this whole beat to it. And I was like, how did the whole Sean vision thing come to be the the like? elaborate i mean some of the especially like nine lives like some of these in the beginning of uh bend and stretch and chinatown and like all these like (laughs) like Uh how much of that was sort of did you see and how much of it was like rode i'm sure it was a combo of both but well
2: i think when when i when i write i break the. you're supposed to when you write scripts i think you're supposed to just say you know, walks in the room, sits down, and you're supposed to keep be very specific about. Right. But I'm always trying to entertain the person who's reading it, <laughs> so <laughs> and you do. I, I get a little, I get a little flowery, and I every, every time you see Henry in his uh, in his hairpiece, I would always say Corbin Burson looking resplendent with a full head of hair, <laughs> and there's always there was always this flowery description of Corbin with the wig on, which was kind of a terrible wig for most of the time. Oh, that's so funny. Uh, but I think I might have overwritten just. Just to entertain you guys, um, and then it may have you know James of course takes these things and and runs with them, but I'm sure I said you know the most extravagant psychic vision in, right. the, in the history of uh, of the world, and and James really made it sing and swell, and then poor Tim had to be the one trying to restrain him from this uh, big pic- piece of physical activity.
0: Oh, you guys were so good together. Everybody was so. I mean, just like the even the first scene when we meet Gus at work and like. It just all of it was so there, like it was just psych. I mean, I pilots are always so. Um, I mean, I know there were some changes going into uh, into uh, episode two, but I wanted to. I want to hear like when you shot the pilot, you go to edit it. You're like waiting the, for the network notes. Like I don't know if you feel comfortable sharing any of those or if there was anything you had to lose that you absolutely loved. But then, like, how long from wrap? Editing, turning it in, getting your notes, like, and then to like getting it picked up was that process. And then the changes that kind of had to be made. Cause it does feel a little different going into like Spelling Bee. Just a little. Like, we don't meet Sean making out with a girl. We don't like, uh, there is the big motorcycle thing though. So
1: in the script, it was like, he's got a V Rod, And I'm like, what are you talking about? No, this guy should be on an old Norton or a Triumph. Uh-huh. I think I, I think it did actually become an Orton. I think it was at your
2: suggestion. Yeah. Because it was, it was always about the car. I always thought, okay, you know, for, you know, Starsky and Hutch was about their car, you know? And so it, it, they always had, and, and Jim Rockford had a, had a crazy uh, uh, cool car. So it was always about, okay, so this guy rides around on a motorcycle and I'm like, Oh, this will be fun. And, and I, yeah, I, I wrote probably the wrong one. Tim's seems like you it this one. And I go, thank you. See, this is why everybody can have a great idea. <laughs> and bring right. something to the show. I love this. I, I I really love that idea. James did not like the idea of the motorcycle and hated, not only hated riding around on it, um, you know, even when we we gave him lessons on it and then he didn't like having to carry the helmet and we had to track where the helmet was. And, you know, the the, the magnificence of James Roday's hair um, cannot be
1: compromised by uh, by helmetry. So we had to... <laughs> oh, that's and know, most of the time... He- when you say riding around on a motorcycle, most of the time, wasn't it like strapped to the back of a truck? Yeah.
2: Well, and by the way, that's uncomfortable and not that fun. But I always thought it would be cool. And it, and in in the script, it was just Gus had the company car. And, uh, you know, and we didn't think about a blueberry or, or any of that stuff. Right. They just we went to the studio and they had three cars outside. <laughs> and they go, hey. We have some cars, and then two of them were like relatively normal cars, and then the other one was this blue monstrosity, <laughs> that like that didn't even exist in the United States. It was like a Canadian version of, I think the the equivalent was like a Yaris at the time. Oh
0: right, uh, right.
2: And we were like, "What is that?" And it was like. Well, I guess that's got to be the car because we don't even know what this thing is. And it wasn't called the Blueberry until we did uh, uh, American Duos in the second season. Tim Curry, right? Yeah, Tim Curry. Oh, right. said, I feel like I've been incarcerated in a blueberry.
0: And it's like, <laughs> oh, oh my gosh, well, that's it. The best lines. Blueberry. Uh, <laughs> Tim, I want, I want to talk about going into like episode two, Spelling Bee, uh, and, which is funny because actually... Spelling Bee is when I do my audition episode, which is, uh, audition episode, audition scene, with uh, James at the diner. And, uh, but we shot that a little bit later, because Speak Now was actually the first episode we shot back after the pilot, and that's where Tim and I met, because Tim and I had the first scene on the very first day of the series. So it was actually Tim and I who started the day on day one, and I oh, was wow. like, "What is happening? I'm playing a detective. Like this is like, <laughs> what's going on?"
1: Although you know, Max, I was in in that first scene with you and James. I was on the set that day. you and I didn't have any lines together.
0: Yeah, but that wasn't what the first thing we shot. The first thing I shot no. was it?
1: No, the first thing you and I shot together was um,
0: walking into now. the was walking into the church. Yeah, but yeah. you were at the diner. On Spelling Bee, it's just funny because like we had already shot like chemistry stuff like and we'll get into that like the next one. Because even like that scene, I loved that scene, that diner scene so much when I read it uh, originally uh, in the audition to the point where I was like, did he just write this for the audition? Because I want I really hope I get to do this scene if like we go. And then it was like right there at the top of Spelling Bee and how we met because we were on a how we met. Juliet and Sean actually is that the first time we we see Juliet I think it is yeah oh my god absolutely
2: and and it was written it was written just for the audition oh Um, and so I kind of thought that and so but it was I loved it so much that I'm like well I just want to stick this in the show and you were so good in it and it was like well clearly this is the this is the only uh, uh, clearly this has to have a life somewhere else and it was just it was just perfect and 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 fun and all already done which makes it a-
0: <laughs> <laughs> which is your favorite kind of scene <laughs> it's the best uh,
2: kind of scene
0: um i just i've 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 like i feel like we just got through like psych being where psych came from and the pilot and i so i want to have you back for for more of the, uh how the episodes kind of unfold. But I feel like today- before
1: you, before you get to that, you were talking about how the chemistry on the pilot was just set. Yeah,
0: yeah, please.
1: So yes, it, like the pilot was just like a done package all wrapped up in a bow, which we didn't realize we were missing a very important element. Cause then you came on the show and we're like, all of us we're like, oh my God, this ray of sunshine. This is the missing, Piece of puzzle, puzzle Aww, piece
0: of puzzle. There was, like,
1: you come in and just it, just, it really, it so solidified everything for everybody.
0: I remember reading the pilot. I remember uh, I got, I had come off of a sitcom and I had done, like, same kind of mostly comedy to that point, and I was like... You do comedy?
1: Because <laughs> you should.
0: Uh, yeah, you should, too. We should, too. We should do a comedy. We uh, We should. So, uh, I I got the script, and I remember them saying, like, the show's already on the air, and, like, y- you know, and I was like, this is, I've never read anything quite like this. Like, I was like, this is so special. It's so different. Even just at, the, like, the first reading of it. And I was like, I hope, I mean, they want to see, like, they see me as a detective? Because at that point, I had, like, like I said, I had just come off this, like, sitcom or whatever. And... I loved I loved it so much. I just wanted to say, like, I, at that point, I feel like most people had sort of put in a category of, like, you know, I'm doing sitcoms and whatever. And so I get the script. I go in and I read. And the fact that, like, you saw me for this, like... It was a. It was something I hadn't. Uh, I I hadn't had a ton of experience with yet. I hadn't had like an openness of people being like, yeah, I see her as a detective. Granted, I know <laughs> it's still a, a a comedy and it was lighter. It was like the perfect, probably the. It was. It was. It was the perfect thing. But it was also like a uh, rare. It was just. I I feel so lucky. When you were
1: eighteen too, which was weird.
0: I do feel like that. I look back at the episodes. I'm like, who is that <laughs> i look so young and like i felt i remember at first being like oh my god i, I feel weird saying this now because i was like yeah of course i'm a detective whatever i felt like i was like dressing up in my dad's suits a little bit <laughs> like i was like i did there were a couple times i put on the suits so i'm like is anyone buying this
1: a recurring theme was hey, hey maggie where's your gun
0: <laughs> because you, were, oh, you
1: weren't wearing a gun at the time
0: that's still so a recurring like, theme
1: why is this cop not wearing, wearing a gun
0: yep yeah, like, the eh, gun just appears. It's in my bag. It's in my bag. Yeah. Um, but the
2: thing is, the guns ruin everybody's clothes. Like if the guy has like this nice suit on, and then there's this bulge, bulge. where this gun yes. is, and it's like you know, and it's so it's always like, yeah, they have it. You just don't see where it is. It's just it's very streamlined. Except
0: for Tim, who. No,
2: I know. I insisted.
0: Always, always. <laughs> yeah. al- no, but it's true. You were like, you were authentic. Not that yeah. I wasn't, but I definitely was more like, okay, how does this look? Does this yeah, look no. okay? <laughs> <laughs> just, so you know.
1: It's kind of like cops and robbers about a gun.
0: It's true. <laughs> it's true. Over the course of talking about psych on this podcast, what I kind of want uh, to share is this this part of it where i feel like people who came up to do the show word of mouth i think got out pretty fast that like we have fun we were so good at like like we just that's what we were about like fun it was like you come up we have a good time uh you we show you a good time we all played we partied we like we just it was all about that and so having people back people always i feel like wanted to come back and like I don't know. I like look back now over the time. I'm like, man, this was something else. Like it was so special. It it was, it was one of those things that I actually do feel like, you know, when you look at something and you think like, man, I wish I knew at the time, like how good I had it. And then like you think back and you're like, man, I think we actually did know like how yeah, special <laughs> it was. Like we knew every day that we got to all be together. We knew every day, every episode, every season we got picked up. Like we didn't even... Like, we loved it so much. I think most of us at that point, other than Dulé, had never had a second season of a show ever. Okay, so I'm going to let you all go because I will just talk all day. And I feel like I still have a gazillion – I just want to hear all of it, everything. I love this so much. Thank you so much for sharing everything. And um, the psychos are going to love it. Tim, we, we started them.
2: with 40 minutes of Disneyland stories, so uh, you'll be you'll be excited. To that were hear amazing,
0: all it. but it's all part of you and where all this came from, and it's just it's perfect. It's all perfect. I this can't wait so to watch this
1: episode.
2: It's gonna be <laughs> exactly. it's gonna be great. And Tim, you were awesome, and Maggie, you were spectacular. You were born to do this. Okay. And,
0: uh, <laughs> Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you all. all. Right. Love you, all all guys. you guys. Goodbye. Bye. That was such. a an incredible talk with Steve. Loved it so much. Thank you all for listening to our first episode of The Psychologists Are In. We are beyond excited to relive all of our favorite parts of psych with you all. Our favorite parts being all of them. And we'd love to hear from you. So please feel free to message us on our Instagram at The Psychologists Are In. Our Twitter at Psychologist Pod with any questions about the show. And while you're at it, follow us on TikTok at The psychologist are in. I am still getting used to TikTok. I have not used TikTok, but, uh, I'm going to get great at it for this podcast. Anyway, see you next week where we will be talking to James Rodé Rodriguez, Sean Spencer himself. We get into some really good stuff. You do not want to miss it. Bye.